Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to conservation and careful management of the state's forests to make them more resilient and better habitats for wildlife. Choosewood.com. It's Monday, January 9th. This is The Gateway. I'm Wayne Pratt. Midwest states are paving the way for more large-scale indoor animal feeding operations called CAFOs. The huge amounts of manure they produce is worrying rural residents. Guess who can hardly stand to live on their farms anymore because of the stench of the CAFOs just across the fence. We'll have more on the debate over CAFOs in just a few minutes. Former alderman, a sitting representative, and a current member of the St. Louis School Board are among the 41 people running for seats on the Board of Aldermen in the March primary. St. Louis Public Radio's Rachel Littman reports. A 2012 charter amendment downsized the board from 28 members to 14. That led 10 incumbents to make the decision not to run again. In a major victory for the city's progressive movement, Megan Green has no challengers as she seeks a full term as board president. She won a special election in November to replace Lewis Reed. State Representative Rasheen Aldridge wants to represent the 14th Ward, which stretches along the east side from downtown to O'Fallon Park. Alicia Sanier, one of the youngest people elected to the school board, wants to represent the 7th Ward, which includes neighborhoods like Fox Park and Tower Grove East. And Jennifer Florida and Ken Ortman hope to return to City Hall. Both have failed at previous re-election attempts. The primary is March 7th. I'm Rachel Lippman, St. Louis Public Radio. Air quality testing resumes today at Maplewood Richmond Heights Elementary after mold was found in some areas of the school. The results follow a water pipe burst on Christmas Day. Students are now learning online. Superintendent Bonita Jamison says it's not known when they can return to the building. We are solidifying an alternative plan to provide in-person instruction off-campus for all students if the air quality report indicates it is unsafe for anyone to return to campus. She made the comments in an online video posted over the weekend. The number of reported syphilis cases in St. Louis and St. Louis County is rising again. That's after falling during the height of the pandemic. The state health department says there was a decline in 2020, but the numbers went back up in 2021. County Health Director Kanika Cunningham says the pandemic took resources away from STI testing and treatment. One thing could have been we were not identifying those cases like before because the focus went to the pandemic, testing, treatment, vaccinations. She says there were fewer reported cases even if people were infected. Decreased screenings also meant some people unknowingly spread the disease. The Illinois State Senate ended a Sunday night session without taking action on two hot-button issues. Mawa Iqbal has more. There are now two versions of a measure that would ban the purchase and sale of automatic assault weapons. Senators filed their version yesterday. The Senate version does not require anyone who already owns an assault weapon to register its serial number with the state. It also shortens the list of weapons that are banned. Governor J.P. Pritzker said in a statement the Senate version falls short compared to a House version of the ban passed last week. Lawmakers have to compromise on their proposals if they want to pass a ban before the new lawmakers are sworn in Wednesday. The senators also left without debating a measure to expand protections for abortion providers. I'm Mawa Iqbal. A local program is aiming to put a dent in an ongoing nationwide skilled labor shortage. Building union diversity trains women and members of other marginalized groups in various industries through a six-week apprenticeship program. 
Director Aurora Beeler says the initiative is ushering in its 28th class. The beauty of this program is not only are they connecting with people who are already in the field, but also with themselves. You know, they're, they're creating their own network as soon as they start the program. Beeler was a guest on St. Louis on the Air. The program launched in 2014. Iowa has almost 4,000 concentrated animal feeding operations, commonly called CAFOs. They house large numbers of livestock. Other Midwest states don't have nearly as many. Laws and programs have paved the way for CAFOs to operate in states including Missouri and Nebraska. As Harvest Public Media's Eva Tesfai reports, that's worrying residents of many rural communities. In Cooper County, Missouri, CAFOs are a controversial topic. Susan Williams asked to meet in a small local library, and even in this quiet atmosphere, she's nervous about people overhearing the conversation. Don't want the whole town to hear me. (laughs) A retired elementary school principal and a farmland owner, Williams became involved in the controversy back in 2018. That's when a large hog operation called Tipton East planned on moving in less than a mile away from her house. The size of the operation, about 8,000 hogs, concerned her, especially since she grew up on a small hog farm. Just the smell and the waste that you had was tremendous with that, and I couldn't imagine what it would be like with that many hogs. So Williams and some other residents brought their concerns, including what it would do to air and water quality, to Cooper County's health department. The department responded, creating an ordinance to regulate emissions and the spread of manure from CAFOs. The next year, the Missouri Senate passed legislation preventing counties from enacting rules on CAFOs that are stricter than the state's. Cooper County and Cedar County sued over the law, taking the case all the way to the Missouri Supreme Court, which has yet to issue a ruling. Laws that prevent local opposition to farm operations are common, says Loka Ashwood, a rural sociologist at the University of Kentucky. We see that across the country. She says there are a lot of lawsuits regarding CAFOs in the Midwest. And in these lawsuits, the CAFOs are more likely to win. That's where people are fighting the hardest to try to defend their property rights, but they're also losing the most. Other farm groups argue CAFOs can be an economic boon for rural communities. Missouri Farmers Care is a group that wants to see agriculture grow in the state. It has a program that designates counties with the title Agri-Ready. Counties have to agree to a set of requirements that will make the county more welcoming to farm operations. Mike Deering sits on the board of Missouri Farmers Care and is also the vice president of Missouri Cattlemen's Association. He says CAFOs are a net positive for the state. It's food security, it's the food supply chain, and to make sure that we are keeping that local and not having to import, import, import. And so we have to encourage growth. In Nebraska, the State Department of Agriculture oversees a similar designation called Livestock-Friendly Counties. It will work with the county to develop zoning laws and permitting that makes it more accommodating to livestock production. Ashlyn Busick is with the Socially Responsible Agriculture Project, an organization that helps communities protect themselves from the negative impacts of CAFOs. She works in Missouri and Nebraska and says welcoming CAFOs hurts small livestock producers. When a county is accommodating for the big ag industry, guess who continues to get pushed out of the market? And guess who can hardly stand to live on their farms anymore because of the stench of the CAFOs just across the fence. 
The Nebraska Department of Agriculture says attracting livestock operations of all sizes is a focus, and they add a livestock-friendly county is more appealing for new projects. Dodge County, Nebraska has that designation, and Costco opened a poultry operation there back in 2019. Jessica Coulterman is the plant's director of administration. She says Costco chose Nebraska in part because of the warm reception. The other thing that they were really impressed with was the, the welcome that they received from the state and the local governments and also from the business leaders in the area. Back in Cooper County, Missouri, farm owner Susan Williams is still waiting for the state's Supreme Court to rule on whether local governments can regulate CAFOs. But whatever the ruling is, she says residents have to keep paying attention. The fight's not ever going to be over. I think this public is always going to have to be vigilant to make sure that the public's interests are taken into account just as much as any industry. But she's also optimistic because she says now people are more informed about CAFOs. For Harvest Public Media, I'm Eva Tesfai. Harvest Public Media is a collaboration of public media newsrooms in the Midwest and Great Plains, including St. Louis Public Radio. The Gateway is a production of St. Louis Public Radio, a listener-supported service of the University of Missouri-St. Louis. Music by Ryan McNeely of Adult Fur. I'm Wayne Pratt. Support comes from the Missouri Forest Products Association. Missouri produces wood pallets, railroad ties, white oak barrels, hardwood floors, and more. Details on the variety of products made in the state are at ChooseWood.com.